If you've been listening to this podcast and read my book, you know how important it is to have conversations that matter. Unfortunately, we didn't have those in my family. For many people, estate planning and family conversations about money is hard. So where do you start? How about with a financial advisor? After all, they are the quarterback to your personal finances and the one person you trust that will help you make sound financial decisions. On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, the estate planning conversation made easy. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. So with me today on the Executor Help Podcast is Joe Curry. Is it Joseph or Joe? What are you, what are you going with? Well, my parents still call me Joseph, but other than that, you're good with Joe. We can okay, stick with then. that. All right, then. So Joe is the president and financial planner of Matthews & Associates. Just before we started, uh, first off, I should say thanks for being here on the show. But before we we came on the air here, we just uh, I was talking about you, the first financial advisor I've had on. And the reason I wanted to have you on is because you've been in the industry a while. And I think as much as both of us are advisors, we we hear things and people say things to us that usually don't talk about because it's their, they're not thinking about retirement. We have to prompt them. And when it's talking about estate planning, they don't think about it either. So I thought it would be interesting to have that conversation with you. So let's step back a little bit. So you're the you're a financial planner, you're president of Matthews and Associates. How long have you been helping people figure out their financial futures? Uh, sure. Well, I started, uh, I guess, working at my dad's office. So he's in the business, um, a little bit different business than mine. But anyway, I started with him back in 2010. I got uh, licensed 2011, but I always tell people I kind of got my start in this business back in somewhere around 2020, kind of the dot-com crash. I remember my dad coming home and he was talking about a phone call I received from one of his elderly clients who just called to say thank you. He was the reason that she could sleep at night kind of through everything that was going on in the markets at that point. And that kind of inspired me to, to head this way. So that's where I, I really got my start, I guess you could say. I, I know exactly how you feel. I've been through, I've been in the industry a, a little longer than you, but we've been through these ebbs and flows. But I think it's really, I, I get what you, you, you say, and it's gratifying when somebody said that they're able to sleep at night because we've been able to guide them through something that, you know, when all hell seems to be, you know, breaking down around them, that they know that they're, they've been talking to somebody and that's helped them uh, make the right investment decisions and figure out what's going to make them, you know, have a good future. So I, I totally get how you you feel. And when, and clearly you've been doing that over your career, and then that's what spurred you on. So when you're working with people and they're planning the retirement um, what are they most concerned about? Because I know you say that you've got, there's at least five risks that most people don't even think about. What are they? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, um, people come to me with a lot of different questions, but, you know, we talk about these these five risks, which are things that you don't have to think about as much when you're saving or planning for retirement, right? So once you get to retirement, it's a bit of a different game. So uh, number one is sequence of return risk. And that is the order that we see the returns come in your portfolio. So for example, you know, someone might do a retirement projection, assuming you're going to get, say, I don't know, this isn't a, a prediction, but saying you might get 5% per year uh, return through your retirement. And, you know, if you retired 65, you have X amount of dollars and you take X amount out each year. As long as you don't, you know, live past age 90, you'll be good. 
the problem with that is, you know, you, you could have some really poor returns. Like you could re retire in 2007, for example, and start taking money out of that principal while your portfolio is down or early on in retirement. And so even if you get really good returns to average things out later on in retirement, it might be too little too late. So that's sequence of returns risk. Then we have inflation risk, which is, you know, when I first started talking about this, it wasn't as big of a, an yeah. issue, but obviously inflation is kind of the hot word nowadays. So, I mean, if you have money sitting in a bank account over the last year, you basically lost 7% purchasing power, right? So people think, you know, I have a million dollar nest egg or a $2 million nest egg. I could just sit it in the bank and, you know, that'll give me however many years of income. And I don't have to worry about uh, market risk. But the problem is that the cost of living goes up every year. So we don't generally think, uh, we think more linear than we do compounding. So that's a risk that people don't give a lot of credit to is how much the um, cost of living will go up over retirement. Uh, longevity risk. So I talked about that retirement projections or planning out and say, you don't live past age 90, everything's good. But the problem is, I don't know if it's a problem, but if, you, if you're planning <laughs> for your finances, the last of 90 might be a problem, but more and more people are living past 90, right? So uh, I think now it's about a 20% chance that a healthy 65-year-old couple, one of them will be alive at age 95. Fastest growing, I think, uh, age group now is uh, people over age 100 in Canada. So it's wow. it, it's hard to just pick an age and, and plan to be done there. So you have to kind of figure out how you're going to manage if you live past the past what you think you're going to live. Yeah. The risk of being too conservative. So I was talking about that a minute ago. It kind of comes back to the uh, the inflation risk. Mm -hmm. But if, if we're, you know, only investing in GICs or only investing in our, our savings account, high interest savings account. Even with GICs paying 5% right now, when we have inflation at 7%, we still have a negative real rate of return, right? Yeah. Meaning that if we take inflation off of our return, it, it's actually a negative return. So that tends to be what we see from things like high interest savings accounts and GICs. So it sounds great now at 5%. And a, you know, a year or two years ago, 5% would have been great because that would have been a, a positive real rate of return, but that's not the case now. So you gotta you gotta balance risk, obviously, and you need to make sure that there's money there when you need it, but you, you need to think about how long you're gonna be in retirement and how you're gonna maintain your lifestyle throughout time, which brings us to the other end of retirement. And a lot of people think I'm gonna spend a lot more money in my early years, which is, is very true in a lot of cases. You're gonna travel, you're a lot more mobile, maybe take up the hobbies you wish you always had time to do. And and then we will, you know, typically see spending come down through retirement. And that's kind of how where people kind of finish their thinking on that is I'm not going to need much money once I'm in my, you know, later 70s, 80s, uh, because I'm just going to be sitting at home not doing much. But the problem is the other end of that is the, the potential healthcare expenses, right? So whether it's, uh, you know, age in place is a, a term we hear more common now, but that's, you know, you might need care, renovations to the house, uh, or maybe it's going into a retirement home or a long-term care home, all these different types of potential expenses that could come up on the other end of uh, the retirement. So those yeah. are those are my top five. So with, within that top five, because, and that's the reason why they'll come to, uh, an individual will come to you as an advisor is because they may not think of those risks because they're only thinking about, you know, the retirement part, but there's also the factor that comes into the play during their retirement. They also have to think about, estate planning. So where does estate planning fall into, you know, the the plan of, of retirement? Sure. Yeah. So that's a great question, David. So, when we, I mean, when we're doing planning, we have a new client come on or a potential new client come on board. At this point, we're putting together uh, a plan that's looking at the retirement income planning, which is obviously a big part of what they're asking about. Those are the, the main questions they're coming to us with, but we're also looking at the tax planning side of things, not tax prep, but how are we minimizing the lifetime tax bill, which is 
partially through minimizing the tax on the uh, the withdrawals are taken from the portfolio, but it's also looking at the estate planning side and limiting the taxes on the, on the other end. Uh, we're also looking at the the risks that could come up in, in retirement. So we're looking at all these different areas, um, but a big part of that is the estate planning piece. So again, part of it is the taxes on the estate planning, but a part of it is understanding uh, what our client's legacy wants to be. Like, do they want additional uh, funds left over for their kids? Do they want to gift things ahead of time? Do they want to be giving money if they're in a position to their kids, to grandkids now where they can see them use it? And that all is part of the, the bigger conversation, which I know is a big part of your focus, which is, you know, how do we make sure that everything works out the way we want it to when we're no longer here? And that is making sure that we have wills and powers of attorney in place. It's making sure we're having conversations with our kids when we've done that planning so they know what to expect, they know where things are. Uh, and so at this point, why, you know, any new clients coming in, or again, prospective clients, we're having them bring us their wills and powers of attorney before we do any of the planning for them. Um, when they have it, they all, <laughs> lots of the times they're not even there, but we do find it's a good time to start this conversation when people are approaching retirement because they're open to the planning, like they're, they've decided to get rid of this retirement planning piece. So it's just a natural kind of part of the conversation. Now, in that conversation, do most people or how, how does it come up in the conversation? Because you and I know estate planning is probably not even on the radar or on the on the, the checklist of things that people want to do when they're planning for retirement. So can you think of a time where an individual was ne uh, neglecting an estate planning part of the plan and or was it outdated uh, or there was a change in life? What how do you bring up the subject and say, you know, we how do we bring this in, you know, bring this on the table in terms about talking estate planning, because they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to say, you know what, I was thinking about my will, I should do something. What do you think? Does that ever happen? No, no one's uh, ever brought it up to me, actually. Um, <laughs> so it's it's just part of the uh, just the, the conversation that we're having with uh, with clients. And again, especially prospective clients coming in. So for example, uh, I just delivered a plan to a client yesterday, again, potential client yesterday. And, you know, that was part of the conversation we had in, in the previous meeting when I'm kind of getting to understand their situation and their goals, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's just asking the question, first of all, you know, have you thought about um, what happens if something happens to one of you? And have you put your will in place and powers of attorney? We're also asking the question if they have uh, businesses, if they've done their secondary wills. Um, and if they, they have, then we're just asking questions about what do they think the will says, because we're going to ask them to give us a copy of the will before we do the planning. If they haven't done it, then it's asking the questions about, well, what do they, what would they like to see happen? What do they think is going to happen? So the, the people I was just talking about, uh, they're actually a blended family. So they're both second marriage, both have kids from a previous marriage. They're, they have a, you know, a sizable, uh, retirement nest egg, but they don't have a house and to maintain their lifestyle. If something would happen to one of them and they left say half the money to their kids then the other one would have a hard time maintaining their lifestyle the flip side is if they don't have a plan for what happens with their kids on the the um the first spouse to pass away then everything's with the second spouse at that point so that's the As conversation they, we they, just they, started having so, and so when you had that conversation or when you brought it up were they receptive or they didn't want to talk about it and they say, well, you know, that's yeah, not really you know what, what they were here for, or how did, because you said it was also a blended family, which is a, could be a ticking time bomb when it comes to an estate plan. So did, what, how receptive were they in to carry on the conversation and let you lead it? Yeah, they were, they were actually really very receptive. They were, 
a little bit deer in headlights at first, like, uh, <laughs> we, we know this is an issue that we haven't addressed, but, uh, we had a pretty good conversation about it. And again, when I brought it back up from the, uh, kind of the recommendation standpoint about next steps on it, uh, it was something that, you know, they're clearly acknowledging. Yep. They were, we're open to going down that road and, and starting to do this planning. So, so it was good. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see if we keep following through on it, but that's where we're at right now. Why do you believe that most people avoid the subject? I think it's uh it's a painful conversation for some people and um, some people don't like to think of their, their mortality, I guess. I know I have uh just thinking about, you know, clients I have, you know, one couple, we've done a lot of work to get all their planning up to date, worked, you know, worked side by side with the lawyer. Um, we have a Henson Trust in place uh, for one of their their children, but they still haven't had the conversation with their kids. And every time I bring it up, you know, one of the spouses gets really kind of teary-eyed and emotional about it, just thinking about it. And I, I, it's just painful for her. So in, in what uh, way, why, why would they tear up? They don't want to, they want the... Um, I'm not sure if it's, or maybe a combination of this, uh, you know, partially just thinking about not being here anymore. And maybe even so her, her thinking of her spouse not being here anymore. And the, the flip side of it is, I think, uh, especially maybe for their one daughter, just thinking about not being able to being around to help so and i and i think you, maybe the other so piece, you had said it was a henderson trust right so could maybe uh, yeah, you want to explain yeah. what that is and why sure, that yeah. put in the will yeah so henson trust is a it's basically a discretionary trust meaning that the trustee has full discretion on how the, the money is useful so for uh, an ontario resident if they're on disability a disability program they get uh, odsp which is disability right. payments but if they have uh, assets over a certain amount or income over a certain amount they're no longer eligible for that benefit you can leave or move money into the henson trust for that individual and cra doesn't consider it their assets because they don't have any discretion over those assets so they can continue to collect their odsp so, so it's a way that it's to help somebody with special needs, for example. So from beyond the grave, it the money is being, the parents are still uh, taking care of the child, but it makes sure that the trustee knows what the wishes are for this individual who probably can't take care of themselves. You got it, exactly. And I think that's also part of why in this situation, there's some sensitivity around it is because three different kids, uh, so one of them is getting treated differently by having the money go to the trust as opposed to the other ones getting it. I think there's also some, uh, sensitivity around that because they don't want to treat her different, but they also want to look out for her. So, which is what I'm sure you would say all the more importance to have that conversation about why it's set up that way. Yeah. What do you do to create estate plans to help clients uh, move forward in that area that they thought of retirement and you brought up estate planning to you know uh, put it on the table what do you do to create the estate plan? Okay, so for each client, it's going to be a little different. So some clients are more self-starters than others. So for example, sometimes it's just asking the question, finding out where they're at with the planning. Have they done a will and powers of attorney anytime in the last decade, for example? And, and if not, then it's having the conversation about it, asking if they want us to introduce them to a lawyer or have a conversation with the lawyer or just, you know, make a or just send them a referral. And so a lot of times they'll take that. It's just the nudge they need to get going. So they'll, you know, take that nudge, they'll implement it. Then we'll review with them to make sure everything kind of lines up with what we're doing. But other times it's, uh, it's going to the next step. So we've had, you know, I've, I've brought an estate planning lawyer into the, into the office and we've had meetings with multiple clients who are, you know, thinking about updating. They have some questions about, you know, how they might change things. So we just, we bring them in. I have all their information. 
And then we just work together to have that conversation. And then the, the lawyer takes it from there. And then we get back together and, and review it all together. So there's some different levels of how deep I'm going on that. But it is something that we're we're actually trying to increase our knowledge in and go even further because I just think there's a lot of value there that and probably not enough people are talking about. So with all the experience that you've had, what are what are some of the common issues that people need to think about when it concerns their estate plan? Sure. So we mentioned blended families already with a, one example. That's a that's a big one. I'm um, just thinking about you know what's going to be left over for kids of of the first marriage in, in each scenario. The family cottage is a big one. You know some uh, some family members wanted to keep the family cottage. Uh, others wanting the money. The taxes that might be you know, owing on that from capital gains standpoint, which also goes with other, you know, rental properties, things like that. So any, any real estate beyond the principal residence is, uh, is something that can cause some issues that people aren't necessarily prepared for. And so if not planned for, uh, it can cause issues. Family business is another one. And that's kind of the, you know, one family member is involved in the business, one isn't. And it's a conversation that's not always, you know, what's equal is fair is, or what's fair is not always equal. So but it's having those conversations ahead of time to make sure it's all planned out because otherwise that can turn into a, a big issue on the other end. And actually I have a, a story that may be relevant to some of your listeners that uh, they should think about. But so we had uh, this client, it wasn't a client I'd worked very closely with. It was from a, a business that I had, had taken on and she had kind of pieces all over the place. So I started work with her trying to kind of consolidate things and get it, it all working for her. And then I said, okay, we need to talk about estate planning. That was kind of next up on our list. And she's like, oh, I'm actually going to update my will. Um, so I'm like, okay, sounds good. So we'll reconvene on that. So anyway, so uh, I talked to her a few months later and she went on to inform me that she updated the will, but she also sold her land to her one grandchild for a nominal fee, we'll call it, or a nominal price, even though this land is worth many, uh, well, probably a couple million dollars, definitely right. over a million dollars right. and had a cost base of basically nothing. The principal residence is just a very small piece of this land. So there'd be a bit of an exemption there, but not a big one. Uh, and she doesn't have a, a, a ton of investments. Most like all her net worth really is in this property. So, you know, she was happy. She worked it with the lawyer that she's got a, you know, a lifetime lease on this place. So she's never going to have to to leave. But what's happened is uh, she didn't talk to me. Uh, she didn't talk to her accountant and the lawyer didn't give her any advice on this, but anyway, they went ahead and had did it. So what's going to happen now is she's going to have a capital gains owing. That's going to be the majority of her portfolio. She's got three grandkids, a couple daughters. And at the end of the day, there's going to be no inheritance left or very little inheritance left. Uh, and so the one grandson basically got the property for almost nothing and she's paying the tax on it and there's going to be nothing left when something happens to her. She's in her eighties right now. Does the rest of the family know that this has gone on or is this going to be a surprise at the reading of this the will? Is going to be a, yeah, it's going to be a surprise to every, well, hopefully not at the reading of the will, but yeah. uh, this is like, was just shared with me uh, a week ago. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So, but she had, but there hasn't been a family conversation about, no. uh, because this particular grandson, he's not going to be uh, a favorite of any, the rest of the family. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, she thought she's doing him a favor. You know what? She wants one of, you know, someone from her family to be able to build on and live on that property. So, uh, you know, she'll be able to leave her other savings to her other heirs. Anyway, that's a family conversation we're going to have to make sure is that that's had. But anyway, all the tax consequences, not all worked out yet, but this is kind of on the process. So 
It's so an unfortunate who, situation. So do you see yourself having the conversation with the, the family with her sitting there or you're just going to suggest it that uh, she has it at the next family, maybe not at the Christmas dinner table because um, that may not end very well, but maybe wait a day or two and let everybody bring them up to date what's gone on with her. Yeah, so I'm going to have a conversation with her. She's She doesn't even know circumstances yet. I just told her, I think that there might be some some issues with this. And I talked to the accountant just to confirm everything. And the accountant told me the same thing that she had just called to let them know, but hadn't hadn't talked to them. So anyway, we uh, I'm going to have the conversation with her, help her understand what's going on. I got to help her. I'm going to help her find someone to appraise the land because she's going to have to get that appraised uh, for all the taxes. Uh, so I'll help her through all that process. And then we'll kind of formulate how, how we'll let the rest of the family know. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Some of the 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 joys and the trials and tribulations of being a financial advisor. That these are little curveballs you didn't expect. Okay, so now that the individual they've got a retirement plan, they're working with, they figured out the estate plan. Hopefully, they've talked to you before they make any uh, rash decisions, which is going to you know cost the family down in the future, passing on that intergenerational wealth. What do you suggest? Or how do you suggest that they share these changes and things that they've done with the executor and also the family? Or, so would, this you is rather, or would you rather help them do it themselves? Well, this is it? something that I've, I've struggled with a little bit in trying to get people to have those conversations. So I offer to my clients, especially when we've updated something, to host a you know host or moderate a family meeting, however you want to do that. Like everyone come on in, we'll just answer questions, we'll lay it out, so I'll be available just to... Uh, clarify things, right? Sometimes, as you would know, there might be some emotional responses at first, but if they're, you know, you can be there to have a conversation through the thinking that led to everything. So I, you know, I let clients know I'm happy to do this. We want to schedule it. And so to date, no one has taken me up on that. Surprise. So I'm, yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, strongly recommending, okay, you need to make time to have this conversation. So, I mean, my, so I pushed my dad <laughs> To get all his stuff up to date, he he had stuff all done, but I got him get it all up to date in the last couple of years for his business and everything. And so we've had the conversation. So internally, you know, we've done that. Uh, and my in laws, same thing. They updated all their wills. I didn't even have to tell them. They updated it all. They came and told the whole family who's doing what, why they chose executors, power attorney, all that kind of stuff. So I know and, that. And, it's a and when in, and sorry, and when in your family, when the in laws said this to the you know to to the beneficiaries, how did, how was that taken? Were, were there hurt feelings? Did people understand? Was there any arguments? How did that go? Yeah. So the, uh, everything was good. The only thing was, so my sister-in-law was the, uh, uh, the executor and the power of attorney for property. And then my brother-in-law was the, uh, like the health director power of attorney. And so my, my wife was nothing. So she had a little like, Oh, well, why am I not special enough to get anything? But Anyway, but it was more of a joke. And I said, well, I kind of like, you don't want it. It's okay. <laughs> it's like, we're, that, is the, that is the worst job. So, yeah. So, so, so in your family, in laws, it, it, it went well. But do you know of, uh, have you come across where there's been any family fights? Uh, I, I mean, I know some family fights kind of after, afterwards. So, you know, one of our clients, um, there's a, I want to say like five or six sisters. Um, there was family cottage, some other things. And, you know, it was a couple of years, a lot of money actually sounded a lot like your story, to be honest. 
uh, people not talking to each other. And uh, anyway, it eventually got settled. Uh, money did come back out, but it was a lot less than it would have otherwise been if if everyone kind of just followed the will and didn't challenge and sue everybody. So anyway, I've seen that on on that end. As far as the family meeting, like fights out of from um, you know from just kind of here's the situation. I haven't seen that. No, yeah. but I would be interested in in your thoughts on on how to get clients to have that conversation with their family. Do you have know any tricks to to get the conversation started? It's there, there aren't any tricks. I mean, you know, I, I, I propose it and a lot of people, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, there's that avoid, there's that avoidance. So it's the, you know, you know, I, I, I've done the will, so I'm just gonna let the paperwork do the talking. Cause I don't want any hurt feelings. And you know what, you know, going for, forward, we don't want to have any trouble, you know, on, I've had a, uh, an upcoming episode, uh, or a past episode, I had a individual who's in uh, California who does inheritance plans, and he's done over the last forty years thousands and thousands of wills. And part of his service is to, as a lawyer, to help explain to the family what's gone on, sort of like what you're doing with the family um, uh, meetings. And he told me that over those thousands, over the forty years, he's only been asked eight times. Because it, I guess it's a thing with families, because we all start out thinking that all families are, you know, we're all perfect, we're all going to get along. But, uh, you know, I, I've said more than once, you don't know anybody until you have to share an inheritance with them, is yeah. that people, the you know, the matriarch or the patriarch don't want to have that conversation because they don't want to have that hurt, the hurt feelings with the children. So, you know, to answer your question, are there any tips? You, you could just... Uh, suggested and maybe suggested more than once by the way did you you know every time you have a review or they're doing a transaction or something maybe you bring it up again and say hey by the way did you have that family talk or something like that you know but some of the conversation starters could be if it's a a child who you know wants to make sure the parents update their will say hey you know what we just updated our stuff mom dad what did you do or on the flip side, it could be the parents saying, you know, we've just taken care of some things and this is what we would like to have going forward and make that the conversation starter with the family. But there's there's no one right way. It depends on the family dynamics and the heads of the family. It depends. They know the, you know, uh, the kids and the, the dynamics, dynamics of the family, how it's going to go. So it could go either way. So um, to answer all that, there's no tips. <laughs> I guess, was, and uh, I just finished reading your book, and and then kind of reading through it. One of the things I'm thinking, even if you can't get a family to have a conversation, just having them tell the kids, most likely, you know, who they made the executor and the powers of attorney, and why, even if they don't get into the details of everything else, I think that would probably be, you know, go a long way to uh, make things a little more amicable on the other end. Oh well, thanks for reading the book, which brings me to the point because if you notice in the book, I do say. There's at least three professionals that should be involved in helping the executor. Uh, one is the accountant to help with the taxes. The other is a lawyer. And the other one is a, a financial advisor to help with the, um, you know, the managing the assets. So in your experience, have you helped ex executors? And where do you see where you can be a, 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 a good team player in terms of helping the executor? Uh, settle a, um, an estate. Sure. Yeah. Well, in a lot of cases, um, 
we have all over most of the information, even for things outside of what we're, we're handling for the clients. So um, part of it is, uh, you know, we can have more or less a net worth statement to make sure they know where everything is. A lot of it is just explaining to clients or sorry, executors of our clients um, what they should expect through the process, because we've seen the process enough times to, to know what, you know, they need to look out for, what they're going to be waiting for. Um, so to help them kind of know what to expect for timelines, obviously, when it comes to the investment piece, like we're helping them, you know, work with beneficiaries or the beneficiaries or get the, the values they need uh, on the right dates, all that kind of stuff. So, and a lot of times it's just being there and letting them know, like, look, this is a, it's a big undertaking and you probably have a lot of questions. So just know that we're here. If you need someone to, to bounce an idea off of, or just get some clarification from like, our office is here. And so a lot of times it's not even me. It's like my team because they see the paperwork side of this a lot more than I yeah. do. Yeah. And so they're available. They'll work with the executors a lot. Like we've unfortunately had to deal with that a few times this year. So, I mean, we have a lot of experience there. So sometimes it's just helping people know that they're on the right path and they're doing the right things. It, it's just that the, ex the executor or the testator letting the executor know that, hey, I've got, uh, you know, a, a Joe there and this is part of, you know, you know, if you need any help, you can go to to him and his team to help out with settling the estate. So, it, again, it's the conversations, bringing the executor up to speed, because you and I, you and I both know that most executors have no idea what's going on. And for you and I seeing the paperwork all the time. But for them, this, this is kind to be overwhelming. And this is just one part of the job that they've got to do. Sure. Yeah. And again, going back to your book after reading it, I'm almost thinking, even though I, I'm pretty sure I could get through the whole process, but I almost want to tell my parents to just get a corporate executive <laughs> and <laughs> not even worry about it. So, and I know like my, I mean, like you say, you never know when an until there's an inheritance there, but my brother and I get along pretty well. I think either of us would give up the money to just keep our relationship. But even with that, even thinking that, uh, I think that it would just be nice to have someone else take care of that and just be kept in the loop. It's 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 a headache. So in our remaining moments here, I've got a final question. If there's one thing that our listeners should start doing after listening to our conversation, which have been dripping with pearls of wisdom, and I, people are probably writing it down or stopping and re-listening again, what what would be the one thing that they should do after listening to what we've been talking about, retirement planning and estate planning? Uh, well, I'd say it's a one of two things, depending on where they're at. So number one is if you don't have a will or a power of attorney, like give yourself a deadline, a deadline for when you're going to get that in place, right? So, you know, someone else I know who actually had on my podcast recently, Mark Halpern, he always talks about it. Uh, there's a reason that people file their taxes before the end of April is because there's a deadline. So anyway, deadlines are important. So give yourself that deadline to get it in place. If you already have it in place and up to date, then, you know, um, holiday season's coming up. You're probably going to be seeing family. So I think that's the time to at least bring up that conversation, talk a little bit about the planning that you've done to, so people know what to expect. And the other, there was two, what was the other one? Well, it's get it in place. Okay. If you haven't done it, if you've already done that part, then it's have the conversation. Ooh, I think we've covered a lot of things. Um, if people wanted to get in touch with you, you mentioned your podcast. So, you know, pump the tires, um, toot your horn, uh, say what your uh, podcast is about and where it can be heard. Uh, my podcast is Your Retirement Planning Simplified. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, all the kind of main 
podcast platforms. You can also find our website at matthewsandassociates.ca where we have blog posts and all of our uh, podcasts are listed there. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out info at matthewsandassociates.ca. Joe Curry, President, Financial Planner of Matthews and Associates. I want to thank you for taking time to be here on Executor Health Podcast. You've shone the light from a different angle. Think um, as one of the professionals that an executor is going to need to settle an estate. Also, uh, you know, people who are thinking about their retirement, the planning, and then that often forgotten uh, part of the plan, the estate plan. So you you shone a light in terms of what a professional can do, and that's why they come to you for the knowledge and the experience. So I want to thank you for being here on the show, and hopefully we'll do this again sometime down in the future. It's been fun, David. I appreciate you having me on. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidady.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. The links are in the show notes.